Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You are now listening to the War Report Podcast Network. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to the College Loop Podcast, episode 98 of the College Loop Podcast. We are only a couple episodes away from episode 100. From the promised land. (laughs) And that is just crazy to think about that we are just this close to having our hundredth episode posted and published. I mean, that's crazy. We come out, and I'd say we come out, we come a long way since then. Who do you say, Tar? I, I mean, if you if you look at look at the numbers, I mean, uh, we're averaging was that four point seven uh, subs per episode. Um, you guys are absolutely crazy, like nutty. Uh, and 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 this has been so much fun, and we're not going anywhere. Uh, Mostly enlarged to the war report. We're not going to. We're not going anywhere. So we're we're happy to be here. We're we're inching closer to episode 100. Sure, would be cool if we had 500 subs by then. Um, that'd be super super neat. So make sure you like, subscribe, ring the bell. I'm having a great day. I'm ready to be talking ball here on the on the loop. Coaches poll is out, fellas. I mean, college football is almost here. I'm watching hype videos left and right. Daniel, how you doing? I'm doing pretty good. Um, just getting ready to head back to the place we all know and love. Um, this weekend, can't wait to be back in Auburn. Um. Until then, just kind of following the wave you're on. I'm just getting ready for the season. Um, I watched a – I found a UMass podcast on a oh. Spotify. So I was doing a little – scouting's not the right word, but just out of curiosity. I was listening to that earlier today. So getting ready for week one, man. What's it called? And should we – we should, like, totally reach out to them. Um, I would love to know what it's like to, like, like scout Auburn on that side of the spectrum. No, like we should like for real reach out to them. Like we'll, we'll talk about this off air, folks. Where you're you're hearing a sneak sneak peek. This is Daniel telling us this live, but like let's reach out and see if uh, see if they want to do some collab work. I'm down as hell. That's I, I you always forget about the small schools having like podcasts like this. Like I I, I wouldn't I would have never thought like there's a UMass podcast out there, but that's really cool that there is one. I wonder I wonder how that must be like a niche though. Like right? That must, I mean, must be like a like the entire the, the entire well, like. From like an Auburn standpoint, we're a small podcast and a giant fan base of people. Yeah. I went. That's a that is a like secluded into one state though. So that that must be like a must do pretty well. Just get the entire Massachusetts population on it. Yeah. So it's like a it's done by their like student radio station. So no way. Oh, that would be a really cool thing to do. Yeah. No. Let's let's get on that. We we're all about supporting student journalists for sure. Um, yeah, let's 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 hop on that after the pod. Dylan, Dylan, I'll do my due, due diligence there, and we'll we'll reach out. 
uh, Daniel send that contact over to me. So there, there you guys have it. You're you're in some sneak preview content, hopefully. Everybody who watches this episode just got to sit in on a little bit of what our staff meetings look like. Yeah. So yeah. There you yeah. go. You should feel Except that was way more concise and less ADD than any staff meeting we've ever had. <laughs> yep. Um, speaking of staff, by the way, I, 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 I just – we can't keep playing the secret um, – we're bringing Colin Byersdorf on full time and the kids in the middle of, of, of a move. So I'm giving you guys the big news right here. We're going to see how long it takes him because he's still doing a lot of our editing work to figure out that we announced this without telling him. And um, then I want you guys to put him on absolute blast. He's holding out um, through fall camp, like Dylan said earlier in our group chat uh, for a bigger contract, which simply isn't happening. But uh, we are bringing Colin Byersdorf on full time. So make sure y'all give him hell when he gets back. But until then, let's get into Auburn ball. Let's do it, Dylan. And speaking of staff, uh, Philip Montgomery has came out and talked about the uh, recent fall camp and last week's fall camp. When, if, if everybody remembers, Hugh Freeze came out and said that he's going to spend the first five days trying to narrow it down to two guys. And the last five days is going to be spent figuring out who the guy is. Well, here's the thing. All three of the guys have impressed Philip Montgomery and Hugh Freeze from what, I, from what I've read. Oh, good. And so, and if you're wondering who the three are, it's your usual suspects: <laughs> Robbie Ashford, Peyton Thorne, and Holden Gurner. And they and Auburn Twitter has been posting nonstop clips of just every throw made down the field. And I mean, they're all getting equal reps, so it's not like someone is like leading the charge at all. And just to read off some of the some of the quotes by Montgomery, uh, in reference to uh, Peyton Thorne, you want to talk about a guy who is professional about the way he goes after his work. He's another guy you have to run out of the building. He's always watching tape. He's always studying. He'll text me, hey, what do I read on this? What do I read on that? I saw this on tape. How are we progressing through this? He wants to be on top of every detail that is involved in our offense. And he's, he's seeing things right now at a really good rate. you got to remember, he wasn't here in the spring. Some of the things that he's picked up on, we've got to get everyone else around that to be on around that to be on the same page with him. But I think he's done a great job with leads with his leadership he's disciplined and he's a professional about what he does well and then there's the important detail that holden gurner now has a mustache so there's, <laughs> there's a lot going on here and and we saw that debuted on the warport fireside chat by the way uh, which was pretty cool um this thing's so wide open it's not even funny fellas <laughs> yeah <laughs> i'm sure that in i hate now don't don't get ptsd auburn fans here but in those meetings <laughs> In, in, in those meetings, there's I'm sure there's a clear front runner, and, and I do believe it's Peyton Thorne. But I, I think that truthfully, that this this QB battle, it is a battle. Iron sharpens iron. Good thing, by the way. Yeah. I do think it's very wide open. Um, I think that the biggest fear Auburn fans may have right now is that you could have the 2016 spinning wheel of death of quarterbacks. That's not going to happen. Um, the freeze camp is always going to believe if you have more than one quarterback, you have no quarterbacks. There may be some packages for other guys, but specifically – Thorne and Gurner, there's no, in my opinion, um, Colin, if you're listening to this, um, here's, your, here's your clip. Um, <laughs> in my opinion, there's not a world where Gurner and Thorne can coexist. There is a world where Thorne and Ashford or Gurner and Thorne can coexist. Does that make sense? Just because of, of, of what you bring to the table. Yeah. But this thing is pretty wide open. Daniel, your thoughts? Yeah, I would I would really agree with what you said. Um, obviously, uh Everyone knows that Robbie can get out of the pocket. He can get upfield, and he can. He has a unique ability to extend plays, unlike a lot of players I've seen. Um, and then, on the other hand, Thorne and Garner are both pocket passers. 
um, from what I've little I've looked at and the Michigan State film I've watched, um, Peyton Thorne's kind of like a Jared Stidham kind of build where he can get upfield if he has to, but it's definitely not option number one. A little bit quicker. A L- little bit faster, yeah. Um, but Holden Garner, there's just not a ton of tape out there. Um, but from what very little I've seen, I don't really trust his ability to escape the pocket and you know get um, yards on the ground. So I think it'll come down to who can – Ashford's going to be there no matter what. For sure. Um, Robbie Ashford's not going anywhere. He'll be part of this one way or the other just because of his – like I said, his ability with his feet. But I kind of agree. I'm, I'm thinking it's going to be Peyton Thorne who's going to start against UMass on September 2nd. But – I definitely think you see all three guys play that day. Are we doubting Jared Siddham's athletic ability? Is Dude, that what I, he's, I mean, he's one of the most athletic guys I've ever seen. You can't change my mind. No bias. I, I mean, I once said, I, I mean, I, I, I've, I think Jared Siddham can run a four two forty if he actually tried. Uh huh. Like we've seen, I've heard rumors. Yeah. From from there, myself, there are rumors that, that people have started. You are people, but there have been rumors. Yeah. <laughs> But I mean, looking at the, th- the three abilities, uh, when you rank a quarterback based on their dual threat ability, uh, like a spectrum, dual threat to pocket passer, it literally goes Robbie Ashford on the dual threat, Holden Gurner on the pocket passer, and Peyton Thorns somewhere in the middle, probably leaning toward the pocket way, passer, leaning way towards the pocket passer. And it really depends on what kind of offense that Phil Montgomery and Hugh Freeze are wanting to run. And I mean, we've seen out of the two offenses. Uh, that I'm thinking of very vividly of both Hugh Freeze and Phil Montgomery. And I think it leans to two guys, Peyton Thorne and Robbie Ashford, two guy, yeah. two quarterback like uh, archetypes that we've seen the most success out of these two coaches with. I mean, you look at, you look at dual threats, Phil Montgomery has RG3 and you look at Hugh Freeze and he has Chad Kelly and he has Malik Willis. And then you look over at more of the pocket passer side of things who can kind of move the ball. Hugh Freeze, you have Bo Wallace, and then you have like Bryce Petty for for Baylor with uh, Phil Montgomery. So just you see the certain attributes of quarterbacks in those two guys, and it's just really like pick your poison. Like who are you wanting to run with? Mm-hmm. But here's the thing. Holden Gurner just isn't a runner. Yeah, here's – okay. Here's my interesting take. I think that if you're looking for, and I've watched a lot of 2014 Ole Miss film in the past. I mean, I've actually watched the entire 2014 Ole Miss season in the past two weeks. Um, that was a spectacle and something I definitely sat down and did. But the way Bo Wallace ran an offense and and the kind of player he is, I understand the Peyton Thorne parallels. I think that there's a lot of Holden Gurner there. I, I really do. Um, the wheels, not as much, certainly. But Peyton can, uh, excuse me, um, Holden can get out and move if, if he has to. Uh, he's not going to be the kind of guy that you want to run a design RPO on. I'm not I'm not insane, and I'm not naive that. But I, I don't know, man. Uh, I just, I think that if, 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 if you're really looking to tailor it to what we've seen in, in Hugh Freeze offenses of old, not as much as new, of, of new, circa, Malik Willis, as you just spoke about, Dylan. I don't know that Gurner's not a fit. Um, there's also this pressing the panic button now if you're hoping that Holden Gurner goes nowhere because it's either this year or the road. 
And, and I know he's not said that to anybody. He doesn't really have to. <laughs> it's it just in today's age of college football. If you're a four star, someone else is willing to take a shot on you. Probably someone else in the P5. And, you know, if, if Gurner's not what's best for the program going forward, your QB of the future is certainly Walker White. But this guy that you've got coming up this year has got to be that placeholder slash true starting quarterback uh, over, the, over the course of the next two seasons. It's a very interesting race on a number of levels here. And I, I don't want to throw out the, the, the Bo Wallace and the Chad Kelly <laughs> concept and, and, and comparisons because they worked really well under, under the Hugh Freeze offensive scheme. I don't want to say that Gurner can't fit that mold. Dylan just mentioned we just don't have a ton of recent film on him. I don't even know what kind of a player he is in terms of I, – I don't want to sound naive here because that's, that's certainly not it, but we don't know where his development is. We've not seen it. You want to count 8A? Sure. Be my guest. I don't. And I'll read off what uh, Montgomery said about Gurner. Uh, he said, I think he's a natural thrower. The ball just zips off of his hands. He stands tall in the pocket. I think he's doing a really good job of working through his progression, putting his eyes in the right spot and not hanging too long. I think he has to be able to do some things with his feet and be able to get outside when things break down. And then he also said, but the best part of his game is ment mentally being on point with what he's got. Again, his arm is very, it's really natural when it comes off. It's, he spins it tight. He can hit small windows. He can push the ball down the field. I think he does a great job of that. I think if you were to give all three of these quarterbacks a football test, a metaphorical or a physical, if there were such a monster, I do think Holden Gurner would have the highest football IQ. Like, I wholeheartedly. Um, does that correlate? I'm not entirely sure. I, I just don't know if it fits. So, I mean, it, we're going to be saying this until, what is it, 6 p.m. Central time on, on September 2nd? Yeah, there's a good you chance heard. we don't know who the starting quarterback is until, until the ball comes off uh alex mcpherson's foot yeah i mean that's uh that's that's plausible or like right before that happens <laughs> until it, the uh, umass kicker kicks the ball i don't know who the kicker is but and i'll, I'll round it out real quick just so no I, I need to play favorites a little bit i need to show off what montgomery said about robbie ashford because i stay on my ashford train he says i think honestly i honestly think robbie has thrown the ball better this fall camp i've seen him progress in that matter he's hit a good sum of deep balls He's been a little bit more consistent on his under on his underneath stuff, and that's an area where he wants to improve. He's got a big arm, but it's the consistency of the fundamentals that kind of go into the part of that. He's worked really hard on that. I think he's really operated. He does a really good job of trying to lead and be positive and do the things that we're asking him to do. He comes out, and he loves competing. So he's going to come out and compete every day. When he pulls it down, you better hold on because he can do some things with it but I think his biggest progression has been in the throwing side of it, which progression-wise, that's what you want to hear from Robbie. You would hope so, yeah. I find it hard to believe that he can become a better runner. <laughs> I mean, I, there's some guys that are just gifted in that department, right? Um, yeah. And Robbie Ashford, certainly, certainly one of those. You would hope that he's progressed from, from the throwing side of things, and I don't think he's out of the race. I just don't think he's the favorite Daniel. Yeah, um, I agree. And I think Vegas had him opening up as the favorite, uh, but those odds shifted like the next day, um, which didn't really surprise me. People saw that and went and hammered uh, Thorne. But yeah, I just I feel pretty confident in Thorne starting because I mean 
Freeze bought brought him here to do that. And Peyton Thorne is the first Auburn quarterback that Hugh Freeze went out and got. You know, like he didn't go get Robbie Ashford. He didn't go get um he didn't go get Holden Garner. That would have been embarrassing if I'd forgotten that name. Um what I about mean, the baby I, goat? What about what yeah, about Hank Brown? He he did go get Hank Brown. Um <laughs> That that's a fact. He also got um, I think he also got Walker White before he got Peyton Thorne. Right. But those that guy's not here now. We're talking about who's here now. <laughs> um and if I get with the program. <laughs> the the Walker White uh, Peyton Thorne conversation in a year will be very interesting. I don't know. Well, well it depends on what we see this year. Yeah, that's you know what? There's a lot of validity and it depends on transfer portal madness and yeah, yeah. you're right. You're right. Well, Tara, if, let's um, talk Peyton Thorne is a three thousand yard season. I don't think it's much of a conversation. Oh but no, not at all. No. If no. Auburn goes five and seven again, I feel like I feel like it, I feel like we're talking we're about that on one. episode two hundred. <laughs> You're so right. <laughs> it really depends on the. It, it still stands on that offense that pay, that uh, Hugh Freeze and Phil Montgomery want to run. If they want to yeah. keep it more dual threat and RPO, which is kind of where you see most offenses have you know the most success in today's football world. It is the RPO system, and when you look at the three guys, Robbie Ashford is the RPO guy. But if you're wanting to like go under center and you know have an intermediate passing game, which can lead to a lot of success as well. I mean, there's two offenses have a lot of success in in college football. Peyton Thorne is your guy when you want an intermediate passing game, and I mean Auburn's seen the RPO. Auburn has seen the RPO every year almost. Sure. For, I, I want to say it's since 2010, I would say, in some capacity. But I have always been a big component. One of my biggest complaints I've always had with like the bad Auburn teams is the lack of the intermediate passing game. And I am a Robbie Ashford truther. I will stand by that. But when it comes to either Robbie Ashford or Peyton Thorne, I trust Peyton Thorne's ability to get the ball in these intermediate passing uh, plays, like uh, your 15-yard uh, corner routes, like, Robbie Ashford can make those plays, but can he do it consistently? Peyton Thorne has that uh, experience to be able to make those throws. And And proving consistency. And and proving consistency in making those throws. And Robbie Ashford is a great deep ball. But last year, and if he can progress, cool. It'd be awesome. I love Robbie Ashford. I love his game. I love how competitive he is. I love he wears his heart on his sleeve. But if Peyton Thorne can get the ball like 15 yards down the field at a time, very consistently over the defense without making any mistakes, I love Auburn's chances with Peyton Thorne going into the season. You guys tell us, for all of you listening uh, back at home, tweet at us if you guys are watching on the YouTube channel. Before you go down and comment, like, subscribe, ring the bell. But also tell us who's starting, who you want to start for the Auburn Tigers in 2023 come September 2nd. You said 6.30 kick. I don't know why I thought it was 2.30. 2.30. Is week, two, is week two at six o'clock? No, week two is at freaking at nine thirty. No, no, no. Sanford is two thirty. Oh, UMass is six thirty. That's on me. They're not. They're not doing a week one in Jordan Hare Stadium. Six on the nose. It's it's a night. It's a night game. It's yeah, regardless. Jordan Hare Stadium, week one, new coach. They are lighting. They're doing the light lighting show for sure. Uh, for sure. Yeah. You guys drop in the comments who you guys want to see start and why, not just. Robbie Ashford, Red Heart. You can if you want. All interactions, welcome. But tell us why. Uh, We'll throw them up on the show on Thursday, and we'll we'll, we'll break those down. Um, Because you guys always bring up really, really good ideas uh, and really, really good perspectives. Um, 
Obviously, Dylan firmly in the Ashford camp. I am so wishy-washy. I can't decide. And Daniel <laughs> is probably the most analytical mind here. So that being said, let's keep talking talking Auburn ball right here in the loop. But before we do that, Dylan, how you feeling, buddy? Yeah, you know, I'm feeling I'm feeling all right. You know, school starting tomorrow for me. I got the, oh, school starting back. So you, you you're trying to get in that headspace. You're probably feeling a little loopy. Yeah, I'm feeling very very loopy, Tar. I I wish I really had a shirt that could really say how loopy I'm feeling. You know, lucky for you, you can. So I can. Let's see the graphic. Throw it up there. Go grab your own feeling a loopy shirts on thewarport.com. www.thewarport.com. They're twenty five dollars. We've got them in four or five different colors. Dylan always corrects me on this. Five. And when I tell five different colors, excuse me. When I tell you these are the most comfortable shirts you're ever going to own, I'm not kidding. They're sweet. They've got the feeling loopy graphic on the front, the college loop graphic graphic right below the collar, and on the sleeve you've got the pretty sweet Warport Podcast Network logo we love this shirt shout out to the guys over at the war report for hooking us up and setting us up with this make sure you go grab yours now and that's in uh you can get that from the website or if you're watching the youtube version we will have that linked right here in the description to the show okay now that we're done with our, our little ad read hashtag ad <laughs> hashtag war report podcast network hashtag family let's talk about this coach's poll that came out fellas before we do that that's Let's knock out recruiting first. I feel oh, like you want to get you want to get through recruits first. Let's get through the recruits first. Just because no, no one can't wait to talk recruiting. Call me <laughs> Well, just to say that the coaches poll is going to take a huge mass of the show, and it'd be nice just to knock out Auburn finishing in the top five of a four-star defensive lineman uh, from IMG Academy, who was at Big Cat Weekend, and Auburn, I believe, is trending pretty well in getting uh, TJ Lindsay, if mm-hmm. I haven't said his name already, the four-star. Defensive lineman who is six foot three, two hundred ninety one pounds. Auburn is now is listed in top five alongside the likes of Alabama, Miami, Texas, and Texas A and M. Yeah, this is this could be a big get um, for Auburn. He's a just got over the hump as, as a four star. Obviously, could still improve on that. Probably will not wind up being a five star. Uh, number thirty four defensive lineman in the, in the country. Number forty six prospect in Florida. Don't let those numbers scare you. Florida is stupid deep in high school football talent. 9042 uh, and the 247 composite, and a big dude that could really be a good developmental piece slash early impact. I wouldn't say instant impact, but early impact. And that's the kind of kind of talent you're trying to move toward if you're keep freezing company. And also, it can make this class even better. Yeah, I said the math on it. That would bring Auburn up to 15th, which is just a little little jump over Oklahoma. But I mean, there's a lot of guys we're still waiting to hear from. Uh, and, I mean, I, we're not upset about losing K.J. Bolton, but I think Zaquan Patterson is going to be a guy that you might be hearing a lot about soon because you, know, you lose out on one safety, you go to your next guy who's probably just as good as K.J. Bolton is. On the K.J. Bolden note, I'm never crystal balling anyone ever again. <laughs> Come on, man. You're only 0 for 1. Yeah, that would hurt. Hey, you know what they always say? You're always, like, one away from from winning, you know? Hey. You're always – for what it's worth, I, heard, away from I crystal balled KJ Bolden and assumed that Auburn would wind up landing him and not winding up landing Julius Solomon. And here we are. <laughs> so, <laughs> Your, the crystal ball was focused on the wrong guy. Yeah, it was actually Dylan made the graphic wrong. Um, as I'm actually going to throw. Nope. You know what? We're just going to blame it on Colin. We're just going to say it was Colin's fault. Um, yeah, yeah. He's not here to defend himself. So yeah. Um, yeah. That Dang. was on Colin, guys. I mean, it's not. It couldn't be. My, it's not on me. It's on Colin. That's simple. 
but yeah, so uh, I think he announced his commitment date was August 12th. He'll be announcing. So we are Saturday, four days away from that. Four days so. as the show comes out. Excuse me. Sorry. Exactly. That's what I just said. I was sitting here looking at my calendar. I was like, I don't think you're very good at math. <laughs> <laughs> well, liberal arts degree. There you go. Yeah. You know what? Touche. Myself as well. I thought math was pretty fun in college. I took it a couple times. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, to, Just to look at the 2024 season, now moving back to the 2023 season, the coaches poll has been released and Auburn's unranked, but they're ranked technically at 39th in the country. And I got to be honest, I'm A-OK with that. Yeah, this is arguably better than it could have been. Um, There are not a a ton of people really paying attention to to Auburn uh, until Auburn started making some some real traction on the recruiting trail. The Freeze tenure was kind of like, oh, they hired Hugh Freeze. Okay, back to life as usual. Now people are starting to look and go, well, you know, the transfer portal has worked pretty well. This team can be sneaky, kind of annoying to a lot of teams. Uh, you said 38 or 39, Dylan, 39, 39. That, that makes sense to me. I feel good about that. What do you think, Daniel? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> 39 is good. I think, um, definitely a spot to kind of get in there and make a difference right away. And, um, yeah, so I think, uh, sorry, my dog, uh, I think it'll be pretty good. Uh, 39 is good. I also, Kind of looking at this, I, I, I pitched this before we went on the show. For those of you guys who aren't interested uh, in football beyond uh, beyond the SEC or beyond Auburn, uh, you may want to skip ahead just about three, four minutes uh, because I, I did want to break this one down for a second. I've got no hard feelings, by the way. If they want to skip through, it's okay. Um, but I did want to, I want to take a look and tell you guys, the, I think this is one of the better preseason coaches, coaches polls we've seen. Um, truthfully, I, I top – I'm going to read out the top 10 super, super quick just because, well, that's really we're going to be the most of the focus is. Georgia, number one, absolutely. Michigan, Alabama, Ohio State, LSU, Southern Cal, Penn State, Florida State, Clemson, Tennessee. couple pieces I would move in large. Guys, I like this. I, I, actually, I actually think the, the coach has got it right. What do y'all, what your, your, y'all's thoughts? My, my first issue comes at 16. I think TCU lost too much to be that be ranked over Kansas State, Oregon State, and North Carolina. Agree, and I would argue Tulane as well. But if your first issue issue isn't until sixteen, that means they did pretty damn well. Yeah, I would say um, so. Uh, I mean, my I only shakeup in the top ten would be, I think Penn State a little high, Clemson a little low. Um, I, I think Tennessee's better than Penn State, so I'd probably slide Clemson up to nine. Tennessee. Well, what, I, what I like about this, this is the fact that it's it's buying into a little bit of hype without getting a little getting too saturated. Yeah, you know? for sure. I I still think if you look, guys, Clemson's going to be back this year. Um, I, I I firmly believe that they will be back to, um, a a thirteen win team at, in some capacity, whatever that looks like. Uh, thirteen plus. Clemson will be will be there. Florida State, I'm not sure is there yet. Penn State is. I don't know that the best, the third best team in the Big Ten, maybe. Um, and I, I think Tennessee, I think they're there. Uh, I mean, if we want to keep this ACC centric, I think Tennessee's back, folks. I mean, I, I really think the Vols are truthfully this time. We can say one of the UTs is back, and it's not Texas. Um, I, I think I, that they're here to stay. I'm, I'm a hold off on the Tennessee hype. I want to see how Joe Milton plays as a starter again, uh, as a, and a full season starter. Dylan's just openly sad that Hinton Hooker's gone. 
I think that's really. I cool. do love Hendon Hooker, and <laughs> I will say I I do like Joe Milton. I like what he can do, and I think that they're buying into his hype a little too much, because this is a guy who has been benched multiple times in his career. He played very well against uh, Clemson, uh, but I want I want to wait. I want to wait till the first SEC game before I start buying into Tennessee. It's a gunslinger, uh, but in large, Daniel, where's your, any any beef you have with this with this coach's poll? I thought it was solid. Yeah, um, I think it's pretty solid. Obviously, A and M at twenty five, not really that's crazy. One. By the way, okay, thank you, thank you. That's crazy. Ole Miss at twenty two is not really sitting right with me. I get that. Oklahoma at nineteen. Weird. That's what the hell. I. I would love to do the um, math on the highest ranked team with the least amount of wins. And it's probably, and I'm sure it's Oklahoma. I'm sure it's Oklahoma. And dude, I like the Wisconsin hype, though, I will say. Of course you do. I'm, I'm into the Wisconsin hype. Uh, but TCU, I think, is too highly ranked. Notre Dame, I think, should be a little lower. That's buying a little too much into the Sam Hartman hype. We don't know yeah. what else is going to go around in that offense. Uh, I like the Texas Tech is getting some hype. Tulane, I think, could be a little higher. Uh, I, Ole Miss, I, I have beef with them, but I do think they could be a little higher. Uh, but I think 22 is a good spot for them, for a team that we don't really know what they're going to look like. Daniel, you got cut off. Continue with your grievances. There's not. I don't have a ton. Sorry. Um, Notre Dame at 13, like Dylan said, is a little high in my opinion. Um, I would put them at 20. Yep. Um, what about you, Dub? We're not going to talk about Washington. I think that's a good I mean, spot for them. Yeah, I think eleven's good. That's they're a great a, spot for them. I think they're a little suspect, but I, I could, I could be, I could. They were great them. last year with Michael Penix. They I got him I, back. I could listen to arguments about UW being that high. Kind of the last thing I see. I think nine for Clemson's a little high. Um, really? Yeah, I don't. I just. Not everyone is meant to have a 20-year dynasty, you know? Hmm. Some teams will, you know, show up for five or six years and then kind of regress to the mean. And I'm not saying Clemson's going to do that this year, but I don't think Cle- – like, I think they'll win another one with Dabo, but not within the next five years. So, I, you know, I think – Not a Cade, Cl- Cade Klubnick believer. No. Okay. Well, but Cade Klubnick, Klubnick coached by Garrett Riley. No. Hmm. Who I think Garrett Riley was probably the best – non-head coach hire of the offseason for Clemson and Kate Klubnick has the talent. I think Clemson's in a good spot. I, I think Clemson's in a great spot. I, I also agree that that Clemson's probably on the back end of 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 their dynasty. It was a dynasty. Let's let's not it, yes, it was it was a dynasty. Uh he got a win three for a dynasty, in my opinion. Okay. I'll say, I'll say they were their reign they, of, mini dynasty. I wouldn't say they were like full okay. on dynasty, just like a their they were a dynasty of very good upper echelon top tier football. Sure. Yeah. Um but you know, no one knows dynasties better than better than me. The New England so, Patriots. Um true. I just I, I think that I think Dabo's got another one in them. I really do. Yeah, I mean I, I agree with that, just not now. Okay. I, I will go through the other receiving votes real quick. I think Iowa getting 169 votes is ridiculous. Bizarre. That's 80 over the next team, which is South Carolina. And then Florida being 28 is ridiculous. Uh, UTSA, I think, needs a little bit more love. I don't know what Pitt's going to look like. UCLA, I think they should be – I think they should be top 25. 
Uh, Kentucky, I think, isn't getting enough love because of Devin Leary. Uh, Baylor, Troy, Arkansas, NC State, Fresno State, Boise State. I don't really see the love there all the way. Baylor, I can kind of see it. The other ones? Mm. Mm. I don't know. I, I don't. I, I see the Troy love. I do. Troy's impressive last year. Troy And, and they didn't yeah. lose a lot. Um, I, I think Troy could wind up a top 25 team by the end of the year. Yeah, uh, they could. And I, and I really think that they've got a case to win the Sun Belt, which, you know, say what you want about G5, whatever. I mean, this is new college football. Accept it, embrace it. Um, I think Troy really could make some noise in the Sun Belt, given the fact that I think App State's – that was a dynasty in the Sun Belt. Um, has uh, has has kind of run its course. Um, the App State luster is it, it tarnishes for me every every day watching Eli Drinkwich run a program into the ground in the SEC. Um, so, which and I would I would say he's done successfully. You run into the ground successfully. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. <laughs> Did I hear that right? Okay, sure. Yes. Yes. Because that brings me to the next point. I don't I don't understand Mississippi State, Oklahoma State, Missouri. Being over teams like getting any votes is bizarre, by the way. Mississippi State, Oklahoma State, Missouri being over South Alabama, Illinois, uh, Kansas, Duke, and James Madison is ridiculous. Nuts and wazoo and wazoo. Nuts that makes no sense. I I don't get it. I mean, Mississippi State and Missouri, Missouri and Mississippi State very well could combine for three conference wins. Yes, and I think two of those would have to be from Mississippi State. And I'm waiting for Mississippi State to hear this, and you get clipped, and you're all over Mississippi State Twitter until you are proven right. <laughs> I mean, that's fine. I don't care. I'll say it right now: Mississippi State is going to stink this year. It is a fact. The more, the more I tried to gaslight myself into thinking that they could be like half okay, um, I can't. And then I went back and counted wins from Mizzou the other day. Let me go and tell you, it didn't take very long. Uh, this was two days ago. I sat down and, and was kind of looking school by school. Missouri legitimately just extended Eli Drinkwich, maybe just to pay him more in retirement. Because if Missouri wins four games this year, I will be understanding. If they make a bowl game, I might shave my head. Like I am, I am quoting that. Hold like, on, I, I need to write I that said down. Might I didn't say I would. I uh, pray to God that Abby hears that and texts you. He's like, no way, because that just cannot happen. <laughs> Abby wants him to cut his hair. No, she doesn't. She, she loves the man, bro. What you want about? She does it? Oh. Yeah, she's about the man. Anyways, um, holistically, actually, I know that we, it sounded like we complained a lot. For those of you who are new to the program, this is a pretty short complaints list for, for a, a, a poll, specifically the coaches poll, because they usually suck. I'm just going to be honest. Um, ready for the AP to go ahead and screw all this up. Uh, Nebraska is going to be top 15. Somehow. My, Miami is going to be top 10. Oh, you can book Miami being top 15. Like you can, you can book that Notre Dame at like seven. Yeah. Something absurd. Um, and, and the only thing that the, the AP is going to agree with USA today is that Georgia is the number one team in the country. And then that's probably about it. Cause I feel like they might put Bama and then, too. and they'll have, would you say? They're going to put Bama at two. Oh, Bama. Oh, Bama. Lock it. Bama's going to be two. Michigan's going to be three. Ohio State, four. I don't know. AP's pretty high on Ohio State all the time. So they're probably going to put Ohio. Michigan's probably going to be. put Michigan over Ohio State this year. They will put USC above LSU, which is bullshit. Um, I don't. I don't think USC did enough for their defense to justify 
just you are critically overestimating the amount of background work the AP does. Oh, I'm well aware they do none, but I that's why I like the I think the coaches poll deserves more love when it comes to like looking at national ranks because this has got I, I can go ahead and tell you Terry Bowden, Kirby Smart, uh, let's see who else is on here, uh, Hugh Freeze, Butch Jones is on here. Does he? I forgot he's a coach, he, he's a head coach again. Central Michigan, my man, Lance Lightpold, uh, Pat Nartuzzi, Martin, Michigan, Gus Malzahn. Uh, Brent Key, I would say all these guys on this list know more about ball than literally anybody who coached for the AP combined. Uh, there are there are ball knowers in, in the Associated <laughs> Press. Don't don't get me don't get that twisted. This is, but, these are all head coaches that are voting. So, <laughs> but also at the same time, for whatever reason, the AP does seem to suck a good bit at, at least in the early season. It doesn't get good until like week four, unless they rank Auburn number one first, and then they're the best poll at ranking. And then Auburn. they're unequivocally the worst poll I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> Let's call a spade a spade. Speaking of Gus Malzahn, you just mentioned him. I'm going to keep the show rolling here, Dylan. And we're going to talk a little bit of UCF Knights, folks. I know, like I said, you can skip two minutes, but I encourage you to listen to this. This is going to be short. We all spoke before we got on air that it is very plausible that Auburn gets, excuse me, that Gus Malzahn gets his UCF signature win this year in their first year joining the Big 12. Where is that, fellas? Um, in, in, in y'all's opinion, if Gus Malzahn is to get a signature win uh, for, for the Knights, I mean, and that, I think we all agree that he will. Where is that? When is that? Who's that against? We'll start with uh, we'll start with Daniel. Um, don't start with me. I'm just now pulling up. I was schedule. kidding. We'll start with Dylan. All right. So clearly, UCF is starting off three and zero. Kent State at Boise Villanova. I mean, sure. That's that, that's like go ahead and lock them three and zero to start. Mm-hmm. I don't like their chances at Kansas State. I think Kansas State's probably – this is, might be a spoiler. My pick to win the Big 12. Uh, the, the Those four games, those five uh, – those four Big 12 – old original Big 12 teams are very interesting to me. Because you got Baylor at Kansas. you got a bye week before you go to Norman, Oklahoma. And then you have West Virginia as your homecoming game. West Virginia, right now, you could go ahead and book that as a UCF win. West yeah, West Virginia is horrible West right Virginia's now. West Virginia is going to be god-awful. And I'm speaking for my West Virginia folk, uh, my family up in up in uh, West Virginia. I hope he gets fired after game one because I, <laughs> I love him. I love West Virginia's good. But I think you go to the season three and one because you lose Kansas State. You go into – you get a home game with Baylor, who Baylor's been kind of off and on – last few years i mean sometimes they're like top two in the big the 12 other of times and, of hot and cold exactly i like gus Malzahn's chance of taking down baylor at home and that being their big their first huge big 12 win i don't disagree with that i think that's on the table originally i was going to say the k-state game on the road that would certainly be a signature win oh, um, i'm, I'm with anybody i'm with you dylan about uh, that feels like an uphill battle for, for, for certain. I I think I'm going to circle the, the road game on October 21st in Norman, Oklahoma. Damn it. Um, and, da- Daniel, you can agree with me. I'm, I'm sorry <laughs> to, to, to snatch your answer. It's one of those things where Oklahoma will probably be just good enough that, that it'll be a close ball game. Playing in Norman is, is an environment that all of college football, the entire college football world loves to watch. It's it's one Oklahoma is one of the brands 
Uh, and, and that certainly has something to do with it, right? You go B, BV in, in Oklahoma, uh, in Norman, uh, that, that's a signature win, in my opinion. And barring uh, Norman, Oklahoma being like, you know, a two-win team, which we don't, I don't think it's possible at that point. But barring something catastrophic happening to the Sooners, I, I think that's, that's your opportunity to really go get a signature win. Now, beating Baylor's big, too. So that's that's something on the table. And we all agree if that K-State game goes to UCF, we're going to look at UCF and say this team's legit. Daniel, go ahead. Yeah, um, I agree with pretty much everything Tar said. Um, I think that that K-State game is huge because they – like going back to what Dylan said at first, they beat Kent State, they beat Boise State, they beat Villanova. Easy 3-0 start. Um, I think they take that K-State game, go 4-0. I think they beat Baylor at home, go 5-0. Here, October 7th, Lawrence, Kansas. This is when it kind of gets a little, like, shaky to me. Um, it's the week before your bye week. You're going to be tired from the first four weeks of the season. Um, excuse me. Yeah, no, first four, first four weeks of the season. So I feel like you go into that game in Kansas, you know, like a week before your bye week. After that, you've got the grind of Oklahoma, West Virginia, and Cincinnati, and Oklahoma State, and it doesn't stop with Texas and Texas and Houston. So, I don't know. Like, I feel like the Kansas game is a big, like, not necessarily a signature win. Um, stop. Like, I'm not really saying that, but I just think that if they power through and beat that and um, beat Kansas, you get to go into the bye week four zero. You get to hit a reset button. And then you get to play Oklahoma. And I think they beat Oklahoma at that point. Agree. Agree. I'll say, Tar, to your point, if UCF and Gus Malzahn travel to Norman, Oklahoma, and take down the Sooners, is there a conversation to be had that BV is not the guy and should be let go at that moment in time? No. You don't think so? Not yet. I, I, I looked at the entire schedule. I think UCF has a good chance to go 9-3. and three. And I think Agree. you go 0-2 oh, oh in the state of Kansas and you lose to Texas State. Texas Tech, sorry, and I think that's a great season to start off with because they got lucky that they avoided both Texas, TCU, and there's someone else that I'm missing on there. No, so yeah, they missed Texas and TCU. Not really. <laughs> I was go- I was gonna bring I was looking around the the map over here and I was like, yeah, nope, none of these other guys. Yep, yep, yes, yes, just Texas and TCU. Yep, avoiding uh, Texas yeah. is huge. Uh, BV has a longer leash than you, than you think he does. Um, but this isn't an Oklahoma podcast. This is not a UCF podcast. This is an Auburn podcast, which is why we talk about the success, uh, potential ongoing success of Gus Malzahn, who was a great fit at UCF, and I will argue that pretty much forever. Uh, let's let's continue moving, fellas. Let's preview. We talked a little bit last week, or not a little bit. We talked extensively last week about Auburn's contest with Mississippi State. This week, we're talking about Auburn's road home game uh, in Nashville, Tennessee, <laughs> against the Vanderbilt Commodores in the stadium that will certainly be orange and blue <laughs> beyond a shadow of a doubt. Fellas, where are we at? It's an orange out for those of you curious, by the way, where are we at in terms of Auburn's chances against the Commodores? How does Auburn stack up? I'm going to go from the, I'm just going to tell you all right now, I'm going to pull from the depth chart here in a minute. So I'm going to let you guys just go ahead and I'm specifically going to look on the defensive side of the ball. Just give me all that idea too. I'm going to open open that up to you guys, and then we'll, we, I'll come back here in just a minute and reconvene uh, on the defensive depth, uh, depth chart side of the ball for uh, Vanderbilt specifically. So, first things first, happy homecoming 
the Vanderbilt <laughs> Cowboys scheduled the Auburn Tigers for homecoming. So, to be fair, they got a really shitty slate to like try to figure out where homecoming was going to be. <laughs> I mean, why not Missouri on September 30th? Yeah, you bring up a good point. <laughs> or it's more likely to be a win too. That's that's a win for Vanderbilt. Or like you have a bye week, week eleven. Just do it then. Why? Because Clark. <laughs> Wait a minute. I just realized what you said. That's why. I'd say do it for Georgia. That'd be the biggest like slap in the face for a Georgia home game ever. <laughs> it's mental games, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's what that's what Vanderbilt's good at. Mental games. Outsmart yeah, right. your opponents. It's <laughs> cool. <laughs> but I mean, Daniel. Dan, Daniel continued. Don't, don't let, let, let them in. I, I thought he was making a joke. I was. Um, yeah, but you, you really have to wonder what kind of SEC program goes to play UNLV on the road. Like, what the hell? Um, Alabama's traveling to UC- USF this year. That's not even the same. Conference-wise, Daniel's correct. USF went 0-12 last year. 1-11, thank you. I Still. Program-wise... Also, USF plays pretty much in Alabama's backyard in Raymond James Stadium. Alabama will sell that game out. It will be an Alabama home game. Yeah, it's just going to make sense. Um, you know, Saban gets an extra recruiting trip to South Florida. Like, that's – That's actually though, a W for them. Even though one thing that – this is a <laughs> side note, it's a rabbit hole, but one thing that's always annoyed me is how the University of Central Florida and the University of South Florida are directly uh, parallel to each other. And they're both in the middle of the state. So that just annoys me that Tampa is not south of Orlando. No, no. Um, we need to talk more about this in the future because you're right. It pisses me off, too. Continue. Okay. <laughs> just just making sure I wasn't you know. I love calling it Central Florida. <laughs> so USF needs to move to Miami right away. But that's neither here nor there. Um, for now, so this is how it goes. Vanderbilt, week one, you lose to my Rainbow Warriors. Um, week two, I'm kidding. You, you beat Hawaii. Week two, you beat Alabama A&M. Week three, you go to Winston-Salem, North Carolina and get beat. Week four, you lose to UNLV on the road. Week five, you lose to Kentucky at home. Week six, you lose to Missouri at home on a last-second field goal. Bro, Vanderbilt's not losing to UNLV. Yeah, they are. No, they're not. Vandy um, might not lose to Wake Forest. That game will be close. No, they're losing to Wake Forest. It was close last year. Uh, you lose to Florida. No, it wasn't. It was like forty to twenty-five. It was close until it wasn't. <laughs> I remember that game explicitly. It was like forty-two to twenty. And this is how you tell someone whose NFL team doesn't win Super Bowls versus someone who does. Anyway, Georgia loss, Ole Miss win, Auburn. That's where it gets interesting. So, what? I need whatever drugs you're on. Um, I'll I'll give you a contact for that. Yeah, go ahead, please do. <laughs> so you're gonna sit here and look me in the face and tell me Vanderbilt's gonna lose to UNLV, but they're gonna beat Ole Miss. That's 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 the Lane Kiffin way. Or argue with me, I dare you. I'm so dumbfounded. I'm just gonna let you cook. I think you're cooking burnt you. toast, but I'm gonna let you cook. All I want is a chance. That's all I ever want on the show. Seldom do I get it. Anyway, they lose this game to Auburn, and they lose it pretty bad because you don't schedule a superior team on homecoming. Okay. Um, yeah, that was – I ultimately, at the end, I agreed with you. 
with the last part of your statement. Um, I don't even think I can collect myself yet um, until it's my turn. So I'm going to give it to Dylan because I've got to process everything I just heard and make sure that I wasn't drunk and that, and that, that I heard it correctly. Um, Dylan, go ahead. So Clark Lee is returning 15 starters, seven on the offense, eight on the defense. And on a, on a season that was very successful for Vanderbilt Commodores, uh, you know, the five and seven, you beat Florida, which I don't think Vanderbilt has done since uh, I can remember for the very least. Vanderbilt, looking at their first four games, I think Vanderbilt might start 4-0. And no, that should not be cause for hype. I don't think that's going to have them ranked. I don't think you should be telling anybody this is this is how you play SEC football. Kentucky, you're next, or anything like that. You know what? What the last time Vanderbilt started off undefeated, they did. Uh, but I watch Vanderbilt and I watch what Clark Lee's done for them. And dude, Vandy is a scrappy team that will give you trouble if you let them. We saw it Florida last year. I think Georgia had a little bit of trouble on offense with Vanderbilt for a little bit, and then they, you know, they Georgia'd it up. And I, I I go into this game confident Auburn's going to win. I also go into this game a little worried that Vanderbilt might have something put together to defend Auburn in any way, shape, or form. I mean, I look at their offense. A.J. Swan, dude, uh, for a Vanderbilt quarterback, he did very well last year for a true freshman quarterback. A guy who didn't make me I – don't, I don't even think he threw an interception last year. If I'm, I'm, he either threw, he threw two. He threw two. Ten, ten touchdowns, two interceptions. A Vanderbilt quarterback was throwing the ball and not making mistakes. And he's a dual threat guy, a guy you should be kind of very worried about. And I mean, Vanderbilt doesn't have like the most talent in the world just because they're Vanderbilt, but they are a team that Auburn should not go into this game the least bit like the over. Do not overlook them and look at Arkansas next week. Don't do that because Auburn, Vanderbilt will find a way. Vanderbilt has always played Auburn close in recent memory. So I think Auburn wins. I don't think it's a blowout. I I think it's pretty eh close. I would say like 30 to like, I want to say 17. I I like that take, Dylan. Uh, I'm sitting here. I'm sorry. I was kind of mesmerized myself by this uh, by the, this defensive depth because I'm really not worried on the offensive side of the ball. Um, I don't think that Vanderbilt being a true pro, the, the definition of a true pro, pro style offense, by the way, um, is going to be able to, Move the ball extremely efficiently against that Auburn secondary. It's it's just something I'm going to boast until there's a reason to not. Uh, I'm really, really high on this Auburn secondary. I'm going to be the voice of reason, though, um, before I kind of get into my breakdown super quickly. Uh, for those of you listening at home, uh, Dylan and Daniel are both on some kind of crack. Um, Vanderbilt starting this year 3-1 and one, um, with loss at Wake Forest. I'm going to agree with Daniel in the 3-1 part. I will not agree um, with the UNLV win, uh, loss. I said they lose to Wake Forest. UK. UK um, oh, you said two and two then? Yes. Okay. I'm just fundamentally going to disagree there. Um, three and one, loss of Wake Forest. Um, Kentucky's up in the air. Missouri feels like a win. Florida, loss. Georgia, loss. Ole Miss, loss. Auburn, loss. Um, and now, nothing would surprise me less than if Vanderbilt did what Vanderbilt does best and hangs around in a game that they don't belong in, namely Florida again. Uh, Kentucky very well could be one of those one of those games that they probably shouldn't win, but they they very well could. Uh, that being said, when you, when you look at the defensive side of the ball, I mean, there's just 
not a ton of experience. Uh, you've got you've got a good bit of juniors, but it's, it's a lot of sophomores. I think I, I counted just now of the of the eleven starting on defense. I think you've only got four, maybe five seniors, which I understand that's half, but still, like those seniors are combined with grad transfers. It's it's nothing that really grabs my attention. And when you go, drop down into the depth chart, it's not very old either. Um, it's a lot of freshmen, sophomore, redshirt, junior transfers, which would mean you only have a couple years of experience. Uh, it's it's hard for me to envision Auburn not being able to move the ball. And and really, what what gets me is 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 when you look at at their only strong points being on the back end, in theory, in terms of experience. Um, Derricky Wright, the senior uh, strong safety, uh, Jalen Mahoney, the grad transfer free safety. Um, and then you look at your corners and, and you've got a junior and another grad transfer. So that's actually where all your age is, is on the back end. Um, Auburn's, I feel comfortable saying, going to be able to run the football um, quite well. Uh, just in terms of matching up trenches to trenches, I know that that's been a shaky point for Auburn to this point. You're playing against an opponent that's really just not had the talent in years past. I do think Clark Lee is the right guy for Vanderbilt. I do think Vanderbilt can get to be a perennial eight-win team. It's not this year. And, and 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 I feel pretty good about that. I'm just looking purely at the defense for, from Vanderbilt. Um, I mean, certainly they're – I mean, A.J. Swan will be the presumptive starter at, uh, for, at quarterback, correct? I'm not just pulling that out of my butt. Do what? It'll be A.J. Swan under center for Vandy, right? Oh, yeah. For sure. Um, and he can do some special things with the ball. Um, I'm not overly concerned about them putting up points. I I, I feel good. Um, I think Vandy grabs a couple touchdowns. Um, give, him, give him 17 points. Uh, I think Auburn scores. Let's go 41-17. I don't know what you said, Dylan. I'm sorry. I'd already said, that's close. I, I said 30-17. 30-17? Mm. 41 feels high. Let's go 37-17. Um, 30, 30, 41's high. 41's really high in the SEC game. Um, 37 17. Um, I like it there. I, I do think a couple of tutties and, 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 and a field goal, maybe close going in half, uh, enough that Hugh Free says, Hey, wake the hell up. <laughs> You're playing Vanderbilt. <laughs> let's, uh, let's spoil this homecoming. But I, uh, I do think Vanderbilt, a sneakier team, like you mentioned, Dylan, um, than a lot of people give them credit for. You look down the stretch, um, after Auburn, you've got South Carolina and Tennessee. And in my eyes, those are both losses. But, of the South Carolina, Ole Miss, Florida, Kentucky games, those are the four that I feel the most strongly about. You should be heavy underdogs, but one of those games you could hang around and maybe pull out a win. Is Vandy at Florida this year? Vandy yes. is in the swamp. I, I when I brought up earlier that uh, I forgot who I said it for could get like when if you if Gus Malzahn could get BV fired. I think Clark Lee could find a way to get Billy Napier fired. That is that is very plausible. That is entirely plausible. But all things considered, I like Auburn to win this game, um, which would have Auburn at me and you have Auburn at seven and two going into the next game. After, seven and okay. two going into Arkansas in Fayetteville. That'll be a fun preview next week. I'll let you know where I'm at. Oh yeah. Um, season's shaping up a little better than I kind of thought it would be in my head. <laughs> so someone's drinking the kool-aid finally i'm drinking a little bit of the kool-aid this upcoming thursday we've got theoretical thursday and we're really excited to make sure you drop your comments down on the youtube channel or tweet at us instagram comment i don't really care hit us on the dm doesn't matter we'll we'll make sure we throw it up on the on the on the show if you guys want to hear about it we want to talk about it you guys are the reason we do what we do and if you're feeling loopy 
If you're feeling a little bit loopy, make sure to head over to the War Report, www.warreport.com, and pick up one of your very own feeling loopy t shirts that's co branded with the College Loop Podcast and the War Report Podcast Network. There's only $25. You can catch them, like I said, on the warreport.com or from the link in this description on this video podcast. Carrier Pigeon, however you're listening to this. Uh, thank you guys so much for the support. Close to 500 subs whenever Colin decides to come back and claim his seat on the throne. Metaphorically, uh, we're getting close to you guys really putting the pressure on him to do a TikTok dance. And that you're not a member of the loop until you've done a TikTok dance. Um, I think that that's a thing. I, statistical fact, by the way. Um, statistically facts. We're, I checked right before the show. We were hovering right at 470 subs. If we picked one up since we were started recording, great. Love it. That means I have a 470-way tie. For my favorite subscriber on this entire channel. Uh, thank you guys so much for doing what you do. Um, Daniel, tell everybody where you can they can find you, love you, and support you. Well, before I tell you where you can find me, love me, and support me, forgive my coworkers uh, here, but the kickoff for the UMass game is 2.30 p.m. on ESPN. Wow, um, hot damn. Cal is 9.30 p.m. on ESPN, and Sanford is 6 p.m. on ESPN Plus or SEC Network Plus. That's where I got that back. You backwards. can find my yeah. written work for 1819 News or for the Auburn Daily, or if you're an Atlanta Braves fan, check me out at Braves Today. Follow me on Twitter at Daniel J. Locke. Right on, right on, Daniel. Um, my apologies for getting that one wrong. Okay. Also, uh, best of luck with the move back into school and getting ready to get back into your junior year of college. So we're, oh, yeah. we're excited to be working with you through all that. I'm okay. Harrison Tarr, at By Harrison Tarr on the Bird app, the X app, whatever you want to say. I'm also at By Harrison Tarr on threads. I've not been on there in weeks, but if you want to hang out, maybe I'll hop back on soon. Uh, if you've enjoyed this content, make sure you like, subscribe, tell, share us with a friend. Um, love having you guys here. You guys are the reason we do it, like I said. And uh, talking over balls of blast. Folks, we are close to college football. It's almost here. Hold on just a little bit longer and make sure you follow us on all platforms that Dylan's about to tell you about. 25 days, by the way. We are 25, 25 days. days from college football. A little spoiler for the day, days till uh, post. It's Trevon Reed. Uh, as a DB. That's not a spoiler. That would have been anybody's <laughs> first guess. <laughs> that would have been anybody's first guess. It took me a minute. I, I'm trying to remember who else I thought of. But, of course, yeah, I'm Dylan Lark at you boy the tank on X slash Twitter, whichever one you want to type into the search bar. It's, it redirects, I believe. And you can also follow us literally anywhere, the College Loop on Twitter slash X, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and right here on YouTube where you can like, comment, subscribe, leave some theoretical Thursday prompts. We love doing those. Ask us some questions. We love answering those as well. And if you want to listen to the show, you have us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, pretty much anywhere you get your podcasts. And with all being said, it's been the College Loop Podcast. Mm-hmm.